Good morning, Keystone Church family. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, wherever you are watching this morning. Uh, I know you've already been blessed by the worship today, and I just hope you had a great week this week as you celebrated the birth of Jesus with those that are closest to you. Um, whether you were able to get together with family uh, this year or not, we pray that you felt the closeness and warmth of your Savior this Christmas season. Uh, this week has been pretty incredible for us, uh, leading up from last week as we finished our uh, Christmas at Keystone and now uh, being able to travel some this week to see family. And I know you may have done the same uh, for us, but man, just a great time. But today we have something special for you. We're online only today. And my pastor, Pastor Scott Toole from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, recorded this sermon for us actually a few months ago. We, we were going to show it before we began meeting back in person, but the schedules didn't work out. So we've had this sermon in the hopper for you. Pastor Scott Toole gave me my passion for preaching God's word. I was serving there for four years in Baltimore with Pastor Tool, and it is there that I established my conviction on preaching the Bible sequentially, expositionally through books of the Bible. I appreciate him, so thankful for his influence in my life. In my opinion, the sermon he's about to preach to you is his best sermon. Uh, it was one that really spoke to my heart. He's preached it uh, both in the local church there, but also preached it as he's been invited to, to conferences and events and things like that. He's preached it there. The sermon is simply this, making the most of your manna. So wherever you're at, families, grab your Bibles, get your kids, get your Bibles ready. You're about to enjoy a really, really incredible sermon from Pastor Scott Toole from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore. Welcome, Pastor Toole. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Exodus 16 and Numbers chapter 11. Exodus 16, Numbers chapter 11. Uh, and I am so excited about what God's doing there uh, at Keystone, uh, how God's blessed you there. Uh, and I'm happy and excited for uh, who God has given you as a pastor, Josh Cox. Uh, I tell you what, we miss him, the creativity. We miss him, the uh, relational uh, uh, quality that he brings. And uh, you're blessed to have him. And then uh, Aaron Conley also uh, being a part there. I, I feel like we've uh, given you two of our best staff members for a player to be named later. Uh, but uh, I'm incredibly excited for uh, how God is blessing there. I've been praying for uh, the location and the different possibilities and, uh, and the challenges as uh, right now you're almost a church without a country. Uh, but uh, God already knows. God already has a place. God has already figured it out. Uh, it's just us praying and by faith following and him showing us uh, where that address is uh, for us. And so thank you for letting me speak in virtually and thank you for leaning in to the scripture this morning. Exodus 16, Numbers chapter 11. Now Corinthians speaks into both of those passages when it says, now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. These things, those things, there are examples to the intent for the purpose that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now, uh, we've so narrowed the definition of lust to be only the sexual, only the sensual, only the immoral, uh, but the scriptural definition of lust is uh, anytime I want something else or somewhere else or someone else. Uh, anytime I want something else or somewhere else or someone else, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have them. I'd rather be there. 
Uh, anytime I'm desiring something other than what God's given to, to, to me, uh, somewhere other than where God's planted me, to be, someone, to be with someone other than who God's partnered uh, with me, boy, it's lust. And for them, it was wanting anything other than the manna that God had given to them. In fact, we're going to start in Exodus chapter 16. Uh, and in Exodus chapter 16, we see the definition of the gift. The definition of the gift. Verse 15. And when the children of Israel saw it, that manna that God rained down every morning, uh, when they saw it, they said one to another, it is, what is it? Uh, manna literally means, what is it? <laughs> and so here it is. Uh, when they saw it, they said, uh, it is, what is it? It is manna. For they wist not what it was. Uh, the definition of the gift, well, uh, put down number one underneath that if you take notes, it's the provision of God. The provision of God. What is it? Uh, it's the provision of God. Uh, look at verse 15 again when it says, and when they saw it, they said one to another, it is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you. God has given this to you. This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. God provided that for you. God supplied that for you. In fact, verse number four, same chapter, God said, Behold, I will rain, I, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. God provides that to you. God supplies that to you. But my God shall supply. My God shall provide uh, all things, all things. God, God shall uh, supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so what is it? Definition of the gift, number one, it's the provision of God. I think that's why when they complained, uh, it displeased the Lord because he would say, no, wait a second, I gave that to you. I provided that for you. I know what's best for you. I hand-selected that for you. And so when they complained, it displeased God because it's the provision of God. What is it? Not only is it the provision of God, it's also the perfection of God. That manna, that manna. When they said, what is it? Provision of God. What is it? Perfection of God. It's perfect in its nutrients. Look at verse number 35. And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came under the borders of the land of Canaan. 40 years. It seems like if all they had was only what God gave, that's all they'd need. It seems like if all they had 40 years was only what God gave, that's all they'd need. Uh, perfect in its nutrients, balanced diet. Perfect in its nutrients, uh, everything they needed. But the one I like better is it's perfect in its taste. Uh, look at verse number 31, the last phrase. The taste of it. The taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Can you imagine they, uh, when they, they saw it, they said, what? Uh, what is it, provision of God? What is it, perfection of God? Uh, when they tasted it, uh, it was uh, like wafers made with honey. The psalmist adds in 78:24, God rained down manna upon them to eat, uh, and he gave them of the corn of heaven. Don't miss this. Wafers with honey. Corn that's heavenly. Next verse. Man did eat angels' food. And so uh, when they saw it, they said, what? Uh, when they tasted it, they said, wow. Wafers with honey. Wow. Corn that's heavenly. Wow. Food of divinity. And so to the question, what is it? The definition of the gift is the provision of God. Definition of the gift, it's the perfection of God. And you say, 
Uh, well, Pastor, why are you even talking about manna? How does God give uh, us, how does that relate to us? You know, every morning that we wake up, God has rained manna down around us, upon us, for us, every single day of our life. You say, what? How about the country we live in? The country. You say, well, it's not a perfect country. Yeah, but we still have freedom of religion. We still have freedom of speech. Thank God for the country that we have. The condition of our bodies. And, uh, well, uh, my, I don't have perfect health, but you have good enough health to hear the sermon. You have good enough health to be a part of a church. Uh, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and that thou knowest right well. Uh, how about the congregation? It's manna. It's manna that God gave. Uh, your country, your, your condition of your body, the congregation, uh, it, it's, it's something that he provided, something that he gave. In fact, Christ purchased the church with his blood. It's a gift of God. It's a gift from God. It's a gift to you, your pastor that you have. Uh, and God gave, God gave some pastors and teachers uh, to the church. Uh, it's a gift. And you say, manna, manna. Uh, what manna do we have today? Uh, the country we live in, the condition of our body, the congregation that we call our church home. Uh, how about our companion that calls us husband or the companion that calls us wife? A prudent wife is from the Lord, from the Lord. God reigned manna to us. A, a prudent wife is from the Lord. Uh, notice it doesn't say anything about a husband being, anyway, from the Lord. Uh, I like the testimony that the wife gave in church one day when she said, uh, now the Bible says no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. And, and I just want to thank God for my husband, one of those no good things that, that God gave to us. Uh, I understand we've been so blessed in our country, so blessed, the condition of our body, so blessed with the congregation, so blessed with our companion. How about our kids? Our, our kids, what's that verse say? Children are a heritage of the Lord uh, and the fruit of the loom. Uh, no, wait a second. Uh, the fruit of the womb uh, is his reward. Thank God, thank God for the manna that he pours down every day. The career we have, God gave us that job. God gave you that that workplace. God provides you uh, everything uh, that you need. If all we have is only what God gave, that's all we need. Uh, and so to the question, what is it? It's the provision of God. What is it? Uh, it's the perfection of God. We should be praising God, thanking God, rejoicing in God because every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness. What he did then, he does now. In whom is no variableness. What he did then, he does now. Uh, neither shadow uh, of turning. Thank God for the manna that he's given. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. Uh, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. We should daily lift to him our praise. And so uh, that's Exodus 16. That's the definition of the gift. Uh, what is it? Provision of God. What is it? Perfection of God. Wafers, honey. Corn, heavenly. Food, divinity. Uh, but the Bible verse isn't talking about 16 of Exodus. Uh, it's talking about chapter 11 uh, of Numbers. Turn there, if you will. Uh, uh, so we saw a definition of the gift. Uh, in Numbers chapter 11, these things, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they, they also lusted. It's talking about Numbers chapter 11. And in Numbers chapter 11, we see the degradation 
uh, of their gratitude, the degradation uh, of their, their gratitude, those things are examples to the intent that we should not uh, lost like they lost it. Uh, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have them. I'd rather be there. Always wanting something else. Always wanting someone else. Always wanting somewhere else. Now, uh, look at it. Let's start at the top of Numbers chapter 11. Look at verse number 4. Uh, it's kind of a benign, harmless kind of a lust here. Uh, they're just whimsically wishing for something else. Look at 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a, say the word, say it with me, ready? Fell a lusting, fell a lusting. There's the tie, there's the tie uh, that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted uh, wanting something else, somewhere else, someone else. Uh, they fell a lusting and the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? They're just daydreaming about something else, just whimsically wishing they were somewhere else, uh, just kind of uh, dreaming about having uh, something else. We remember, verse number five, uh, the, the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions uh, and the garlic. Uh, now understand, uh, none of this are innately wrong, just whimsically wishing for something else, but God never gave that to them. Uh, always wanting something else. Uh, always wanting somewhere else. They're always wanting someone else. I'd rather be there. I'd rather have her. I'd rather have uh, that lusting. Now, in Numbers chapter 11, it's a landslide of lust. Uh, if we go down to the bottom of that hill, that bottom of that, that chapter, we're going to see it again. Uh, look at it in verse number 33, where uh, it starts out kind of benign, kind of just whimsically wishing. It takes a turn for the tragic. 33. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, God gave them what they, they were lusting after, gave them what they uh, were wanting to prove to them he knows what's best. To prove to them uh, he knows what they need. He finally said, I'll prove it, I'll give it to you. While the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord kindled against the people. The Lord smote the people with a very great plague, uh, and he called the name of that place Kibroth Hatavah, because there they buried, buried the people that lusted. These things are our examples that we should not, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Uh, we lived in California, Southern California, for three years, and they have mountains like what uh, we do here in the uh, Maryland area, but there in the Southern California area, there's no vegetation, there's no trees, and uh, so a lot of the times they'll either have brush fires or landslides. And I've noticed that landslides usually start with just one rock that drops, that hits, dislodges, a, a bigger rock that drops, hits, dislodges, bigger rocks that drop, that hit, that dislodge, bigger rocks until it becomes so overwhelming, so unstoppable, the only way to really stop that landslide is to stop that first rock from dropping. As I trace the terrain of the text, Numbers chapter 11, I see five rocks, five rocks. And I want you to just write them down. Five rocks, we have to stop the first rock. But the first rock that drops, write it down, number one, delighting. They weren't delighting in what they had. They weren't delighting in what God gave. Top of the mountain, uh, top of that, 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 that landslide, first rock, uh, they weren't delighting. Verse 1, and when the people complained, they weren't rejoicing, they were complaining. They weren't grateful, they were complaining. They weren't delighting, they were complaining. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. 
Of course it did. It's the provision of God. Of course it did. It's the perfection of God. Of course, when they complained, it displeased the Lord because God would say, I gave that to you. I hand-selected that for you. I'm the one that allowed that to be given to you. And so they weren't delighting in what they had. We need to be delighting in our manner, rejoicing in our manner, thanking God for our manner, grateful for that manna. But that first rock that drops automatically dislodges that second rock. It's automatic. Uh, Number one, delighting. They weren't delighting in what they had, uh, and that automatically dislodges the second one, desiring, desiring. When you're not delighting in what you have, you'll be desiring what you don't have. Verse one, they weren't delighting. Verse four, they were lusting. When you're not delighting in what God's given you, you'll be desiring what God has not given to you. It's a lot like 1 Timothy 6. Paul talking about finances when he talked about the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil, which while some having coveted after. It's not money. It's that insatiable desire for something other than what God's given you, somewhere other than where God's planted you, someone other than who God's partnered with you. It's that that love of money, which while some having coveted after, uh, they that will be rich, fall into a snare. And so when you're not delighting in what you have, you'll begin desiring what you don't have. Desiring someone else, desiring somewhere else, desiring something else. When you're not delighting in what God's given to you, you'll be desiring what God has not given to you. I I think about Elizabeth Elliot, uh, who uh, almost day one, almost stepping off the boat as their hearts were to reach the the Yuka Indians, uh, their heart was to do a mission's work. Uh, all they ever wanted to do was spread the gospel and honor Christ. Almost day one, her husband was martyred. Uh, she went through years of her life uh, 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 not having that partner. Uh, and, and later on in her life, uh, someone asked her, Miss Elliot, uh, for all that you went through, losing your husband almost day one when your heart, heart was to serve God, your heart uh, was to do his will, uh, and your husband cut down. Uh, Miss Elliot, how did you never get bitter and angry at God? She said this, quote, learning not to grumble about the ungiven uh, and giving thanks for the given is the key to unlock the door to happiness. Learning not to grumble about what you don't have And giving thanks for what you do have. Learning not to grumble about what God has not given you and giving thanks for what God has given to you is the key that unlocks that door to happiness. By the way, did you notice the evil things that they were lusting after? Uh, It was fish. It was cucumbers. It was leeks. It was uh, melons. None of them are evil in and of themselves unless God hasn't given them to you. And if God hasn't given them to you and you're lusting after them, then they become evil things to you. If I just had his talent, if I just had the location that they have, if I had their finances, their, their health, if I just had the, the, that, that, that upbringing or that, that, those opportunities that they had, always wanting something else, always wanting someone else, always wanting somewhere else. Well, that landslide's 
uh, already begun. Uh, number one, first rock uh, is they, were, they, they weren't delighting in what they had. Rock number two, uh, they began desiring what they did not have, and that always causes, number three, uh, a distorting. Uh, a distorting. Two things. It, it distorts what you do have, uh, and it distorts what you don't have. Uh, first, uh, it distorts what you do have. And it all starts with, if you're not thanking God for what you have, if you're not delighting in what you have, you'll be desiring what you don't have, and that'll cause you to be distorting what you do have. Look at verse number 6, Numbers 11. Uh, verse 1 is, they weren't delighting. Verse 4, they began desiring. And now verse 6, but now our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. There's nothing at all beside this manna. Hand-delivered groceries by God. Nothing at all. That's, that's all we got. Nothing at all. Uh, that's all we got. Uh, you mean the provision of God, that's all you got? Nothing at all besides the provision of God? Uh, you mean the perfection of God, uh, perfect in its nutrients, perfect in its time? Hey, nothing at all uh, beside this manna that wafers with honey, that corn that's heavenly, that, that food of divinity. Uh, by the way, you remember what they said it tasted like. Wafers, honey, corn, heavenly, uh, food, divinity. Uh, look down at verse number 8 when you're not delighting, you'll begin desiring, and that'll cause you to be distorting what you distorted. You'll be distorting what you have. Look at verse 8. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was, wait a second, right up here. We already know what the taste of it is. They've already, they, they have already told us that it's wafers with honey. They've already told us that it's it's corn that's heavenly. They've already told us that, that, that it's food of divinity unless you're not thanking God for it. And if you're not thanking God for it, the manna doesn't change, but your taste, your taste for the manna has changed. And so look at it. The taste of it, verse 8, the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. But it's not really angelic. It's kind of oily. It's not so much of a blessing. It's not tasty it's kind of kind of bland uh, it went from something wow to something blah but if you forget everything else don't forget this the manna never say it with me the manna never changed say it with me the manna never changed in fact numbers 21 25 they start calling it light bread I'm telling you what, uh, the, how they go from this is the greatest, wow, uh, wafers, honey, corn, heavenly, uh, food of divinity, to, to, to now saying there's nothing at all. It's oily, not angelic. It's, it's greasy, not, not, not heavenly, but the manna never changed. But when you're not delighting in it, you'll be desiring something other than it, and it'll cause you to be distorting it distorting it. It's really not that great. I, I, I don't know why I thought it was that great. Remember the career that God gave you? At day one, you thanked God every time you punched in. How about your home and your family and, and just this is something that God's built. Hey, praise the Lord for that. The church, first time you walked into the church, wow, the relate, the fellowship, the music, the preaching, the scripture, thank God for the church. But if your taste for the manna has changed. It's not the manna that's changed. If your taste for the manna has changed, it's not the manna that changed. And, and so when we're not grateful, when we're not thanking God for what we have, 
Uh, we end up desiring what we don't have, and that causes us to be distorting what we do have. And number two, uh, also distorting what we don't have. Look at it, distorting what we don't have. It not only makes what we have look bad, uh, it also makes what we don't have look good. Verse 5, we remember the fish which we did eat freely uh, in Egypt, which we did eat in Egypt freely. Number one, they're forgetting. They're forgetting. They weren't free. They were slaves. Their memory's a little fuzzy. It wasn't the good old days, the good old days, the good old days. Hey, when we had freedom in Egypt, no, you, you were enslaved in Egypt. Uh, but here they are whimsically wishing for that. Uh, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. And we look at that and say, well, now wait a second. You'd rather have onions than angels' food. You'd rather have, have garlic than wafers with honey or food of divinity. That's crazy. That's distorted. <laughs> but I would say not any crazier, not any more distorted than someone that would leave their wonderful wife for some belligerent blonde, some, some uh, floozy of a friend they have at work, uh, it's not any crazier than that. And you say, uh, most would look and say, well, she's not even as pretty as the, the wife that he left. She's not even as, as kind and, and as beautiful as the wife he left. Yeah, exactly. But somewhere along the line, if you stop delighting in who you're with, you'll begin desiring who you're not with, and that will cause you to be distorting who you're with, and it'll cause you to be distorting who you're not with. Crazy. Uh, onions rather than angels' food? Crazy. Garlic rather than bread from heaven, rather than uh, wafers with honey. Yeah, yeah, not any crazier than someone that would leave a blessed church for a barren church. Someone that would leave a Bible-heavy church for a light snack where a drop of Bible and opinions and political rantings, and, uh, and not any crazier than that. But what happens is we stop thanking God. We stop praising God. Uh, we stop being grateful for, to God for what he's given to us. Uh, and when we're not delighting in what we have, we'll be desiring someone else, somewhere else, something else. Uh, I'd rather have that. I'd rather have them. I'd rather be there. Uh, it'll cause us to be desiring uh, anything other than what God's given to us. Uh, and then that distorting, that distorting automatically happens. Uh, I, I think it was Bob Jones Sr. that said, when the flower of gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is well nigh hopeless. When the flower of gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, that man is well nigh hopeless. Step one, when we're not grateful for what we have. Step one, when we're not delighting in what God gave. And don't ever forget, the manna never changed. Say it, the manna never changed changed and if your taste for the manna has changed it's your taste that's changed if your taste for bible reading has changed it's your taste that's changed if your taste for for marriage home family the spiritual your walk with god uh, it's not those things that change it's your taste it's your taste for those things that have changed and so number one rock number one the landslide it's almost too late to to stop now uh, that first rock verse one they weren't delighting uh, that second rock, verse 4, they began desiring. Uh, that third rock, verse 6, verse number 8, they began distorting. Uh, and automatically, it brings you to rock number 4. Rock number 4, despising. Despi Don't miss this. Despising. 
Three things. Number one, you'll end up despising what you have. Look at verse 6. But now our soul is dried away. Our soul is dried away. There's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. Uh, in chapter 21 of the same book, verse number 25, they describe it. Our soul loathes this light bread. Loathes. Uh, it's loathsome. Uh, our soul loatheth uh, this uh, light bread. From delighting, this is the best thing ever, to desiring, to distorting, to now despising. Uh, that house I live in, that apartment I, I live in, that the family, the wife, the, the marriage, the the church, the I don't, I don't, I, I don't. Uh, sooner or later, we're going to understand that our our joy and contentment has nothing to do with what we have, and what we don't have. It has everything to do with are we thankful for what we have? This morning, did you thank God for what you have? Uh, today, have you praised God for those things that God has so freely and graciously given to you? Hey, if not, if not, that landslide of lust has already begun. You'll be despising what you have. It's loathsome. Uh, Numbers 21, 25. It's loathsome. But also, uh, not only will you despise what you have, eventually God's going to say, Okay, if you don't believe me, if you don't, you don't trust me, I guess. You don't trust that I know what's best for you. You don't trust that, that I hand-selected that for you. You don't trust that I have enough love to give the best to you. I'm going to go ahead and give you what you want so that you'll realize I gave you what was best with what you had. Look at verse number 18. Verse 18. Verse number 18. Moses tell them, Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. Look at verse number 19. That ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month uh, until it come out of your nostrils. And I love that. I would love to have a video as it came out of their nostrils. Uh, a whole month until it come out of your nostrils, and it be, same word, loathsome. Uh, until it be, now it's not talking about the manna here. Uh, when they said about the manna, uh, because they weren't grateful, they began desiring and distorting and despising, and they uh, ultimately said, wait, that, that manna is loathsome, and God says, no, wait a second, let me, let me just prove it to you that it's not about what you have or what you don't have. I'll, I'll go ahead and give you what you want to prove that I know what you need. Uh, and, and then once they get it, they describe what they got as, same word, loathsome, loathsome. It has nothing to do with, do we have, Manna, or do we have fowl? Do we have uh, this, or do we have uh, that? Uh, our joy and contentment has nothing to do with what we have and what we don't have. Uh, who we're with and who we're not with. Uh, where we're at and where we're not at. Nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the gratitude of our heart. Are we thankful and praising God uh, and lifting our praise to Him? By the way, right here is about when that bouncing begins. You remember the one that left his wonderful wife uh, for that, that, that fantastic floozy, that belligerent blonde Barbie maybe at, at work that he met, that, that person that, that was oh, oh pretty on the outside but hollow on the inside. And, and we say, uh, what did he see in her? She's not as pretty as, as, as his wife. Uh, what happens is someday he'll wake up, uh, maybe one day, two days, five days, ten days, twenty days, or even a whole month. It may take a year or two, but eventually he's going to wake up and say, I can't believe I left her for this. I, I can't believe I left them for, for that. 
And that's when the bouncing begins from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship to another. From one church to another church to another church to another. Uh, from, from one place to another place to another place to another. Why? Because it has nothing to do with what you have, what you don't have. It has nothing to do with what you have. It has nothing to do with what you don't have. But have you been grateful? Have you given thanks? It's not the job that's the problem. It's not the person that's the problem. It's not the place that's the problem. It's not the things that are the problem. The problem is when we stop being grateful. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so, uh, despising what they had, despising uh, what they got, but it's ultimately because they were despising, they were despising the one who gave. Uh, look at it in verse number 20. Verse number 20. They've already said uh, that the manna was loathsome, and, and then they said that fowl, those, those but pheasant, that, that, that's loathsome. And, and now look at verse number 20. Uh, you'll eat it even a whole month until it come out of your nostrils, and it be loathsome, loathsome unto you, because that ye have despise same same type feel uh, you have despised the lord he has become loathsome to you uh, ultimately it's because we're not giving him the benefit of the doubt uh, lord i trust that you know what's best for me uh, i trust that you've given every provision i have to me lord thank you thank you uh, i'm going to trust you with where i'm at trust you uh, with what i have trust you with who I'm with, they despise the man, despise uh, that, that, that fowl, those pheasants, despise that. It reminds me a little bit of 2 Samuel when Amnon loved Tamar. Uh, Amnon loved Tamar, but of course we know it was a, an illicit love. It was something that he crossed boundaries uh, to get. And at the end of the day, then Amnon hated her exceedingly so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he loved her. Hey, Amnon, sooner or later you're going to realize it's not about do you have Tamar, do you not have Tamar. It's about gratitude and thanksgiving and rejoicing inside of here. Have we been thankful for the job? Have we been thankful for the church? Have we, have we been thankful for, for what God has given to us? Uh, and it's ultimately all about are we trusting God in the well last rock it's done too late uh, number one they weren't delighting they began desiring it caused a distorting then a despising and rock number five a destroying a destroying that landslide of lust well if you're waiting till now to turn it around you can't you won't uh, look at it verse number 31 and there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea 32 and the people stood up all that day and all that night and the next uh, all that day, uh, next day. Uh, and they gathered the quail, 33. Uh, and while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people. The Lord smote, smote the people with a very great plague, plague. Uh, and he called the name of that place Kibroth Hatavah because there they buried the people that lusted. Joy and contentment. Joy and contentment has nothing to do with where I'm at, who I'm with, what I have. Uh, joy and contentment has nothing to do with what I have and what I don't have. It has everything to do with, have I been grateful to the one who gave? Thankful and trusting the one who's provided 
everything, uh, everywhere, everyone, not always wanting something else, always wanting somewhere else, always wanting someone else. And you say, wait a second, I, I, wait a second, Pastor. You make it sound like we should never pray for a, a, an increase in our job or a promotion in our job. No, I never said that. In fact, Philippians chapter 4, let me, let me see what that says. It says, be careful for nothing. We shouldn't be stressed and worried on the inside. It's about the inside. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I shouldn't be praying for a new job until I'm thankful for this current job. I, I, I shouldn't be uh, praying for uh, uh, somewhere else until I'm thankful for where I'm at. Uh, it always has to do with thanksgiving and being thankful and grateful and how good God's been. To, he's blessed us so incredibly much. No wonder Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in. I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in to therewith be content. The manna never changed. But it started, that taste, that taste for it, their, their tongue, their taste for it started to change when they stopped thanking God for it. I think about Jacob when he was looking for a wife. And remember when he traveled to uh, where his mom was from and, and his parents came from and uh, he was there waiting next to a well while flocks were coming in and uh, and then uh, they were waiting because there was a huge rock uh, for more, more people to come to roll it away. Uh, but then Rachel showed up. And I'm telling you what, he was smitten, or uh, as uh, Thumper would say, twitterpated. He was twitterpated, and uh, wow, she's beautiful. And, and what Jacob did is Jacob rushed over and he manned up. I'm not talking about Esau. Esau, the outdoorsman. This is Jacob, the, the, the chef, the cook. And he manned up and he rolled that stone away uh, all by himself. Uh, why? Because he fell in love. Wait, Rachel, his first choice, uh, his, his dream choice, uh, uh, Rachel. Uh, in fact, the Bible says that he rolled that stone away, he embraced her, he kissed her, and he wept. You talk about being twitterpated, talking about being, being smitten. Uh, does anybody remember what uh, Laban, Laban, her dad, his future father-in-law, gave to Jacob? Uh, on his wedding night. Anybody remember that? Uh, he didn't give him Rachel. He gave him Leah. Uh, and, and understand, uh, Rachel was his first choice. Rachel was his dream choice. Uh, Leah, Leah, uh, there's a verse that says Rachel was beautiful, but Leah was tender-eyed. Uh, most people uh, rendering that or translating that mean it's talking about her looks. And so Rachel was beautiful and Leah not so much. Tender-eyed, painful to the eyes. And so, uh, but, but uh, where Rachel was his first choice, Rachel was his dream choice. For some reason, God allowed Leah, Leah. Uh, and uh, God could have prevented, uh, God could have circumvented. Boy, Leah, Leah may not have been his first choice, his dream choice, but Leah was God's choice. Leah was God's choice. And of course, he worked some more and was given Rachel and uh, the birthing began. He had to learn to fall in love with Leah, learn to fall in love, learn to embrace God's choice, God's choice, uh, learn to fall in love with Leah. Now, naturally, uh, first choice, dream choice, Rachel, but God's choice, Leah. I like the fact that Judah was birthed from one of these two relationships. Uh, Judah was birthed from one of these two. Judah meaning praise to God. Praise to God was birthed. I wonder if Judah was birthed from, from Rachel, his first choice. His dream, nope, nope, nope. Judah was birthed from Leah, God's choice. 
That's where praise, that's where praise was birthed out of uh, when it was God's choice, embracing God's choice, learning in whatsoever state I'm in to therewith be content. By the way, not only was Judah birthed from Leah, God's choice, not his first, not his dream, but God's choice, uh, also Jesus eventually came out of one of these two relationships. Jesus. And our goal is for Christ to be magnified in our body. Our goal is so Christ would made, be made large, make a luno, magnified. I wonder if he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, of Judah, that's a hint. Was he birthed from Rachel, that, that relationship, his first choice? At, no, no, not his dream, not his dream choice. Jesus was birthed eventually from the line of Leah, God's choice. By the way, Rachel, his first choice, dream choice, died when she was giving birth to Benjamin. She was buried in Bethlehem. A little bit later, it's interesting that, that Leah died a little bit later. She was buried at Machpelah. Machpelah. Uh, his first choice, dream choice, Bethlehem. His God's choice, God's choice, uh, was buried at Machpelah. Uh, eventually down the line, when he was dying, he told his boys, hey, make sure when you bury my body. Make sure when you bury my body, well, I, I bet he's going to say, I want to be buried by Rachel, my first choice, my, my dream. Nope, nope. He didn't say, I want to be buried in Bethlehem by Rachel. He said, bury my body at Machpelah. Machpelah. Next to God's choice. Next to God's choice. Because I've learned in whatsoever state I'm in to therewith be content with where I'm at, content with what I have, content with who I'm with, grateful for where I'm at, grateful for who I'm with, grateful for what I have. I hope you got a clear line of sight on that, that landslide of lust, that landslide of lust. And you say, well, Pastor, yeah, I, I, I see it. I'm getting it. That tracing the terrain of the text, it started, they weren't delighting, they began desiring. It caused a distorting and then a despising and then a destroying. But, but I feel like I'm already sliding down. I feel like I'm already halfway down. Wait, how can I turn it around? Let's see. Uh, delight, desire. Delight, desire. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Delight thyself also in the Lord. God, I acknowledge that you gave me everything I have. God, I acknowledge that you've led me. And sometimes it's green pastures and sometimes it's still waters, but sometimes it's the valley of the shadow of death. But I trust you and I love you. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he'll give thee the desires of thy heart. When you're delighting in him, he's the one that helps you to fall in love with where I'm at, who I'm with, and what I have. Contentment and gratitude, thankfulness and, and just rejoicing and praising God, even during this time, even during this time. Well, let's make sure we don't let that first rock drop before you go home today, before you shut her down, before you turn it off. Make sure you thank God for the place you live, the car you drive, uh, the workplace, your spouse, your kids, the situation. And I understand that, that some of our situations aren't, aren't uh, a sterile, perfect, just a, a traditional. Sometimes it's more complicated than that. 
But I'm glad we have a God that walks us all the way through any complicated places of life, uh, and we need to be content and thank God. In fact, uh, right now, if your wife's next to you, maybe in the living room, if you're watching from there, uh, maybe in the kitchen, uh, grab their hand, or if you're a son or your daughter, and, and just lean a little closer, and let's go to the Lord in prayer and delight, delight. Let's secure that first rock. Let's make sure that first rock, California, they have fences at the top to make sure that first rock doesn't drop. Let's delight in the Lord for what we have, where we're at, and who we're with. Lord, thank you. I, I, I pray that you give clarity to the message. Help us to see the passage uh, and to gain the truths that uh, you penned from eternity past for this time, uh, for this season, for our hearts. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise that every good gift and every perfect gift does come down from above. You give us so many blessings, our salvation, so many blessings, a future and a perfect heaven, so many blessings, the Holy Spirit, companionship, love, and grace. Lord, I pray that we'll realize our joy and contentment has nothing to do with what we have, what we don't have. It has everything to do with are we thankful for what we have. Bless your people, please. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for having me in your homes. Thank you for having me at your church. I love you guys. We'll talk to you again. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.